You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. This year, the judges of the Cannes Film Festival presented the award Best Film by a New Director to Easy Rider. It's the story of a man who went looking for America and couldn't find it anywhere. Easy Rider stars Peter Fonda. It's not every man that can live off the land, you know. You do your own thing in your own time. You should be proud. Also starring Dennis Hopper, the award-winning director of Easy Rider. Man, look, I gotta get out of here, man. We got things we want to do, man. Like, I, I, I gotta get out of here, man. Co-starring Jack Nicholson. He got to see the scissor happy, beautify America thing going on around here. They're trying to make everybody look like you, old Brenner. <laughs> hell of a good country. I don't understand what's going on with it. Everybody got chicken, man. That's what happened. Hey, you got a rub? Hey, mister, can you tell where a man might find a bed? I never really thought of myself as a freak, but I loved a freak. No, man. This is grass. You mean marijuana? Look like a bunch of refugees from a gorilla lovian. Oh, I just can't believe. What are they doing here? I don't never know, but I don't think they'll make the parish line. They're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Uh, oh, we represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, what you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Temptation page flies out the door You follow, find yourself at war Watch waterfalls of pity roar You feel to moan, but unlike before You discover that you just be one more person crying So don't fear When you hear A foreign sound To your ear It's all right, Ma. I'm only sighing.
Billy. The guard. Pink. Oh, my God. What? I'm going for help, I Billy. I got him. I'm going to get him. We're about to go back. I'm going to get him. We're ready now. Numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. This is guitarist Quick. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Play your guitar. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you missed any of our 262 shows, I got it down those signs now, 262 ah, shows. Ah, I counted, I counted, I counted, yeah. Uh, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioCars.com. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Well, you know, we just got back from uh, Palm Beach. We were at the uh, Palm event yesterday, or Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. And uh, that was a pretty uh, interesting event. I, I met Scott uh, Schrader and uh, and his lovely wife, Tara. And a uh, pretty spectacular event there at uh, Mar-a-Lago. And, of course, the highlight, of course, naturally, was the fact that uh, President Trump was walking around talking to people. And uh, shaking hands, and on occasion taking uh, photographs of people. You know, barring the you know the Secret Service or his security detail, you know, allowing people to get within close proximity. But I was fortunate enough to reach out and shake his hand and hand him my business card. And I invited him to come on the radio show. You know, it's a long shot, but he actually took the business card and he looked at it. And he goes, "Wow, that sounds like a really good show." Unfortunately, I don't have it on video, so you're just me telling you guys that. So that was pretty cool, you know. Of course, you know I'm a Trump fan, and um, anyway, we want what's right for America. Obviously, all of us. But nonetheless, um, some amazing cars. Um, the Palm event was very much like a it truly was a miniature version of the Quail, which takes place out in Monterey during um, Monterey Car Week, and uh, that is put on by our good friend Gordon McCall and the team at the. Uh, Quail Lodge, and uh, so it's all inclusive. You know, it's a, a spectacular car show, fashion show. It's a, always a beautiful setting. Of course, in this case, it was Mar a Lago, and uh, Mar a Lago, I should say. I always say it wrong. Uh, Alex Berry, good friend of mine, he was the MC, and uh, and I actually ran into a couple other celebrities there. Um, what is Ice? A Vanilla Ice's real name. It's Robert something or other, isn't it, Bobby? He was there, so we talked for a little bit. He is a serious car guy, so we invited him to come on the show. And then uh, and then Guy Fieri, I think, is that his name, Guy Fieri? The, yes, the, that, that one I do. That is the, isn't he, he's a, a, basically a chef that travels around, kind of did what Borden yeah, did. Yeah, um, 
Diners, drive-ins, and dives. That's a TV show. And of course, we were at a dive. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and <laughs> no, he's not going to come on the show. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just. But anyway, uh, the uh, he was there, and he's also a car guy. So he's actually from Santa Rosa, which is just north of Marin County, where I'm from in California. Robert Matthew Van Winkle is. Is that his license. name? Vanilla, vanilla. Okay, yeah. so uh, actually I got to talk to him briefly for a minute, and he's coming on the show. He agreed to come on the show. And we were talking a little bit about the controversy over this song uh, with regards to um, David Bowie's song. What's that called? Uh, you know, the dun, dun, you know the beginning of the thing and the lyric. And, and, and there's a term that Oh, they, under pressure. Under pressure. And then I guess Queen. There was a... I no, guess there was a segment of there, and apparently it's called sampling. I did not know yes. that. I wasn't familiar with that term. You probably are because yep, you're cause in, in a nice little piece of software here. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, and and so that's really what it was all about. So and there was a mutual, but you know when you get lawyers involved, everything goes out of out of, out of whack. But anyway, so that'd be we're looking forward to having him on. Of course, this is music, March music, and we're continuing on with our music thing. We have a very special guest uh, coming on this evening, and um, there's a connection with him and the clip that we played here at the beginning of the show, which I always try to tie him in a little bit. And uh, he, this, I'm really looking forward to this interview because the gentleman is um, very, very talented, very, very uh, well known in the industry, and we got a lot to talk about. And he also likes cars, so that's really cool. But um, I don't think I got a chance to talk about what we did the week before. Who's on the phone, Bobby? Nobody. Okay. Anyway, um, we the uh, the week before that, I think I went to this. Do we do the St. Pete Grand Prix? No, what did we do? The week before that, there was something going on. My mind escapes me, so, you know, and that, uh, and, and, and it travels around without me sometimes. And uh, so, but uh, driving down there to uh, Palm Beach, a number of cars that I really, really, truly enjoyed down there, and I think I'll focus on that for a second, was the uh, 68, 60, yeah, I think it was a 68, 68 or 69 Lamborghini Miura. Just absolutely stunning car. It was kind of a chartreuse green, beautiful car. There are pictures online. I haven't uploaded all our all my photos yet on our Facebook page. Um, there was a Delahaye, 3738 Delahaye there. It was a gorgeous car. And the car that took best of show, and it really was best of show, it was stunning, it was a 5859, I don't want to say 5859, but I believe it was a 59, um, Ferrari 250 Spider long wheelbase. Now, they made them a short wheelbase version, and they made a long wheelbase, and they made a 5859, then they made a 6061, and a 62, and a 63. There are subtle differences. You really have to kind of know Ferraris. And um, but that car was absolutely gorgeous. It was kind of a maroon color. I will call it a royal maroon, and uh, with a tan interior, it was just beautiful. There was a Jaguar there. E Type was there, twelve cylinder, fifty seven Thunderbird uh, supercharged car. As a matter of fact, F Bird, um, countless Lamborghini, and the unveiling of the new Countach. The new Countach. That was pretty cool. So uh, pretty spectacular event. It's limited to like eight hundred people. You can go online, check out the Palm event next year. It's pretty cool. Um, obviously, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, definitely check out flacarshows.com. Sebring was last weekend. I didn't go to la- that, but I did go to, the uh, obviously, the Palm event. Um, big shout-out to my friend Jim Terry, guitar instructor. Jim Terry Music, they're up there on uh, Curly Road. So I, I always have to preface this because I've been kind of hanging out with him a little bit, and he's been giving me a few lessons. And it, yes, it's good to you got to practice if you're playing an instrument, 
and uh, it's piano is probably the one that I would recommend everybody start with because that's what I played. Once you understand the piano, then the rest of the instruments are relatively easy. You know, drums is more of a percussion thing; that's a timing thing. And then, but once you understand the piano, you read the notes. You know, then you, you know string guitars, uh, string instruments, which is guitars, is relatively easy after that. But it just requires practice, which is something I need to do. You know, it's called discipline. Discipline. But anyway, so he's got a big mark on his marquee. It's written up there. Uh, guitar lessons for old guys. And I had to laugh because when I rolled up there and I saw that, I took a big picture of it. And, and it you parked cool. under it. <laughs> and I parked under it. Yeah. So give Jim a call over there. 727-789-6787. And, uh, and if you want some really wild guitars, you know, he has more of your standard car- guitars, your basic guitars. But give my buddies down there at uh, Stevie B and Lee and the guys down there at St. Pete Guitars. They've got a lot of really cool stuff down there as well. Anyway, on that note, we're going to continue with our show. I think Bobby's going to fire up the stereo here a little bit, and we're going to play some music. You tune into, well, here's a little Purple Haze, a little uh, Jimi Hendrix. And uh, since we're on the guitar thing, let's, uh, let's listen to one of, the, one, of the, one of the best guitarists that have uh, you know, made their mark in uh, music history. So uh, you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. car shows then look no further than flacarshows.com on your computer or on your mobile device flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles whether you're looking for car shows cruise-ins meetups automotive festivals cars and coffees or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine then this is a site for you check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com Okay, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgia Radio and Cars, and uh, a couple more shout-outs to our local car guys here. The uh, I guess you would call them the Clearwater Cafe Racers. There's a couple guys that uh, pretty serious car people. They meet uh, every Tuesday for lunch. And uh, today, for example, we had uh, Cleet, who's a well-known uh, car guy, collector around here. He's got an Austin Hill, but he brought his Ferrari 330 GTC there, which is a stunning, stunning, stunning car. It actually won 98 out of 100 points. Pretty, pretty impressive piece. A couple other guy there, Roland had his V10 Audi R8. His buddy had one. Lee had a cool car there. Everybody had some pretty neat stuff there. So uh, big shout out to those guys. And then next weekend, I believe, is at Sebring is the historic HSR 
my friends over there, Historic Postcard Racing, their event is this weekend. So if you want to see really, really good vintage racing at Sebring, next weekend, the HSR event and Sebring. And then there's a whole list of stuff coming up. Wheels Across the Pond in uh, Jupiter, Florida. That's in April. Barrett-Jackson. Collector Car Auction, that's also in April. We'll be talking about some of those events and highlighting that as well. Next week, our guest is uh, Gene Cornish from The Rascals. And the week after that, with a little luck, we'll have Henry Diltz on. So that wraps it up for my blah, blah, blah. Ah, so you're going to go ahead and fire up the stereo again. What would you say, Bob? Look at this. Look at this music, music March music madness here. Yeah, well, it's, it's spilling over into April. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Anyway, fire up that stereo. Let's go ahead and get our guests on the show, and uh, let's uh, talk about uh, classic rock and roll. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars on Touch That Dial. I will be right back. Promise you. Right, you might know me from Quiet Right, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bang your head. Hey, we're back. You're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, it's time to introduce our very special guest for the evening. I'm delighted to welcome this gentleman to our show. He's a legendary rock guitarist, and he's the original guitarist for the very, very popular band uh, Steppenwolf. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Michael Monarch. Michael, how are you? Well, hello there. I'm doing great. So, Steppenwolf. Wow, you had some great songs back in the day. Now, you got to. I have to ask this first question, and I know we talked about this before. But, seventeen years old, playing the guitar for a couple of years, and now you're playing with. You know, you started with the Sparrows, or it started out as the Sparrows, and then Steppenwolf, and then you're on the big stage. What was that like? Um, well, you know, really, it kind of happened. It's fast, but, but, you know, we were a garage band, basically. We were rehearsing in a, in a one-car garage as a Sparrow when we kind of got discovered by a producer. And um, uh, actually, he's the guy that actually had the idea of changing the name. He liked the band, but didn't want to use the name. But, you know, before I go out any further with that, I wanted to say, I loved your intro. You were playing uh, Green Onions by Steve Cropper. Yep. Right? And I love that song. And, I, and one of the reasons I'm doing this show with you, because I usually don't do these things, is because of your interview with Steve Cropper. I, I really like that interview. So, and uh, also you had I, I heard you had Chuck Wright it, just after that uh, doing the, the station call or whatever it's called. Yeah, the liner. Yep. And uh, I know him from, from a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. You know, I, I try to do my research, and I want my guests to feel as comfortable as 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 possible. And I try to you know 
feel everybody make everybody feel like a family because the music world is a family. Hey, it's just me and you talking. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, I I knew you were a Steve Cropper fan. I had to play that. I always cherish that song myself. Yeah. Obviously, because it was an American Graffiti, which was you know where it got a lot of notoriety. Yeah. But amazing band, and then of course Chuck, you know, with Quiet Riot, and you know he's a great guitarist mm-hmm. as well. In fact, if I remember correctly, he does something at the Whiskey A Go Go. Um, I forget what it's called, but he basically brings a lot of bands in there, and he does uh, kind of like these little weekend gigs. And, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. So anyway, all right. So now you're here, and you're 17, and you're playing with Steppenwolf, and you're on the big stage. How does a, how does a 17-year-old well, handle it? we didn't it? go right to a big stage. Well, we we okay. played little clubs. Uh, you know, it's a funny story. They, we recorded that first album, and um, actually, Born to be Wild, that song was was added at the last moment to our what we were practicing for the for the album and uh the uh drummer's brother had written that song and uh and uh so we decided to to do it and um and uh so from that first album uh they released they really weren't sure what to release the album the uh, record label and uh so the, they released one song, and, and we went out on the road and we started playing. We were playing clubs, and I remember we were playing uh, uh, little places in New York. Steve Paul scene we played at, uh, which was cool. Um, but then they released another song from the album that got regional play. That was another cover song. It was, uh, it was a, band, a song by Don Covey uh, called Sookie Sookie. He's an R&B artist that wrote things like Your Love is Like a Seesaw for for uh, Aretha Franklin. And that song got, got some traction, but then they decided to release Born to be Wild, because people have asked me before, uh, was that uh, the obvious hit from the album? Yes, in retrospect it was, but at the time, I don't think it was just another song on the album that we, we liked, but... Uh, so when that hit, of course, then we started moving up. So we didn't go straight into big headlining things. We did a lot of opening stuff. We played it with, you know... A lot, a lot of great bands we played with, bands that come over from England, and we, we, we were actually the house band at the Whiskey for a while. We took the, the Doors spot. The Doors were the house band, and then they kind of took off, and we stepped in, and that was that was a lot of fun. We played with a lot of great uh, bands that came over from from Europe and England, especially. And uh, I remember one gig we did with uh, John Mayle and the Blues Breakers with Mick Taylor in the band. Uh huh. And we were about the same age. He was maybe a year older than me, but we were very—he was very young too. And uh, that, that was—it uh, uh, was great to do that gig with him. And he, he had a beautiful Les Paul sunburst, Les Paul, uh, old Les Paul. And uh, he was using—they were using our amps, and I was using a Bandmaster, a Fender Bandmaster amp. And um, so he used this, we used the same amps, and I had my uh, very old, maybe first year Esquire. Fender Esquire, which is basically a Telecaster guitar with one pickup, just the treble pickup. And um, and he, uh, after we had done a set, and then they did their set, and then they would have people leave and bring a new audience in and uh, into the club. And we were backstage, and I was admiring his guitar and the beautiful tone that he got with it, the beautiful singing sound that he got out of that guitar. And, you know, my guitar was, you know, basically like a Telecaster through a Fender amp. It sounded kind of thin to me, but uh, it's what I was using back then. I had the one guitar. And um, he was really admiring my guitar. It's old Fender, you know, Esquire. 
And so he had the idea, well, let's switch guitars for the next next show. So for the next show, I played his Les Paul through my amp, and he played my my Esquire through my amp. And uh, I was really you know, rubbing my hands together, thinking, ah, oh, cool, now he's going to be stuck with my little thin sound, and I'm going to have his beautiful singing tone. And, of course, what happened was it, it really didn't sound much different. I, it, it sounded pretty much like my Telecaster when I played it. And when he played my, my Esquire, he made it sing, which was a really good lesson to learn a long, long time ago. And it really shows you how much of it is in the person's hands and their experience. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. We had... Um uh, the guitar tech for Eric Clapton on our show. He was his guitar tech. Um, can't remember Lee's last name, but he was Lee Dixon, and he was on here. And he was his, Clapton's guitar tech until I think about 2010. And he made a comment. He said people would come in and say, "Can you set my guitar up like you do Eric Clapton's?" And his comment was, "I will set your guitar up like Eric Clapton's, but Eric." has a style and the way he plays. So to your point, you if, if a guitarist has a certain style and a certain technique and a certain way of playing, doesn't matter which guitar instrument, guitar he plays, whether it's a Les Paul, whether it's a Gibson, whether it's a Rickenbacker or whatever, he's that guy has control over that instrument and he can just make it sound. And you're standing there going, wow, just like you said. Yeah, well... Uh you know, I mean, I hadn't been playing guitar too long. He'd been playing a little longer than me, and he had a, just a wonderful vibrato, which over the years, of course, mine developed too. But uh, I do think that uh, what makes different guitarists stand out is, is when they have their own style that, uh, yeah, yeah, they can pick up whatever guitar, but or if someone picks up their guitar, they don't necessarily sound like them, and that's just been shown over the years. Whenever anyone's played someone else's guitar, so, Let me ask you. The, okay, and then I, the thing I was going—I was reading up a little bit—and you later played the Strat, but you modified it with the Tele neck. What makes the Tele neck so special? Because I've seen that uh, quite frequently that people use a Tele neck on a Strat or on you know a, a, another Fender style guitar. Um, well, what is it about the Tele neck? Well, for me, because it's what I started out on, uh-huh. um, I was used to a pretty thin Tele neck, and, and some of the Strat necks were, were fatter. Why I had that guitar with the Tele neck, I really don't don't recall why that was. I bought it at a music store, and and uh, I don't think I put that neck on it. I think it just came that way. Okay. It was a used, an old used guitar already. And, uh, but um, over the years, most of my guitar necks are kind of like that. Um, you know, my, my Strat has a that I a couple Strats that I have. They have Strat necks, but they are custom made Strat necks that are pretty, pretty small, pretty pretty narrow. I kind of like that. I don't like the baseball bat necks. Okay, so basically, you're saying, you know, in other words, there's a C shape, a D shape, and a V shape. Are you talking about that, or are you also talking about the 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 nut, the, the thickness at the nut too? Well, there's that too. I mean, this the, tel- the Telecaster, the strings are slightly closer together because it's a thinner neck. Mm-hmm. Also, it's just very easy for me to wrap my hand all the way around it and get my thumb around and stuff. And so I just got used to that. But um, yeah, it's 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 kind of like a. I like the C shape, but I like it a, a fast neck. So it's the kind of neck that Charvel uses on their net on their guitars, and it's a fairly thin neck. 
Um, when you set your guitars up, because I think one of the articles I was reading, you're using uh, EMGs on your guitar right now? No, no, no. That's old. That's old? That was old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's very old. So what do you use today? DeMarzio? Well, today I'm using DeMarzio. Okay. And, uh, but I've used them all. I, you know, I've, I've used, I've used uh, uh, Seymour Duncan's, too. He makes great pickups. And But uh, lately I've been using DeMarzio's. Uh, no absolute reason for it, but they're just working for me, so I, I'm using them. Okay. And I generally put a, a, a some kind of a humbucker in the treble position, and then some kind of a uh, even if it's a Telecaster, some kind of humbucker in the tre- in the treble position. And neck pickup will be something that looks something like a Strat pickup. Uh huh. Um, so e- even though I play Telecasters a lot now, I have more Telecasters than anything. Um, I'm building one right now. It's just about done. It, it has three pickups on it, so it's kind of like a Strat Tele mix. It looks like a Tele. But it has a locking tremolo system on it, and it has three pickups, like a like a Stratocaster, just for more tones, basically. But uh, do you build your guitars yourself, or do you have a luthier doing well, it? Well, it's a combination. I mean, I, I have some guitars that I didn't build, like a Music Man and stuff like that. But the ones I generally play, I put together myself, um, and I order the, the body the way I want it, and I order the neck the way I want it, and I get all the parts, and. I usually throw it together or have a friend who works on guitars to help me do some of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just found that, that that works good for me. Do you have a vintage car col- or guitar? Yeah, do you have a vintage guitar collection? I have a vintage car collection. It's a 2015 Mustang. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's not vintage, is it? No, no, that's not vintage. But we're going to get into that because we'll talk about your Marcos and some of the other stuff. But let's go back to the the music days. Okay, so you were stepping up for a while. One one thing I wanted to ask you, too, and we talked about this briefly, but uh, Playboy After Dark, what was that like for you? Yeah, we did that show, I think, twice, a couple times. Yeah? Um, Well, you know, the show is done... It's done in a in a in a big television studio, right? You know, with sets, and uh, so there's that. It's kind of a TV thing. Now, one thing I, I did like about it is we we played live. Some okay. shows you didn't play live on. They wanted you to lip sync. They weren't. They didn't want to deal with the volume. But that show we played live. Uh, Steve Allen's show was live. Um, many, quite a few shows were live, and then some of them we did the Mother's Brothers Comedy Hour. That was, I think, to a tape, uh, just lip syncing and. Um, how about uh, uh, Ed Sullivan? You, you Ed there? Sullivan, we did a um, we we did a medley that was pre set up. Okay. So I'm not, I, I don't I don't know. I guess that was the safe way to go with with sounds, but but plenty of bands played live on that show, and I thought that was much better. Okay. And because we were lip syncing, and I was a kid, I thought that was really lame. So <laughs> I was just like messing around on that show, not really playing. But then, of course, 50 years later, I still see version of that. I'm going, oh, God, what was I thinking of? <laughs> I was only at least faking it a little bit better, you know? Uh-huh. But, uh... When you when you were with Steppenwolf, did you get to contribute musically or writing any of the songs? Yes, eventually. I mean, I contributed my parts, but but and and my energies to things. I would say I, I was the the youngest one in the band, and um, uh, but uh, yeah, by the time we were doing our third album, I had songs on it. I had this, I had uh, one of the singles, one of the flip side of, of Rock Me Baby, which was called a song called Jupiter's Child. That was kind of my my riff. Um, but, yeah. Now, and Somewhat. this and the song, uh, which is actually one of my favorites, I don't, uh, it's kind of an interesting song, interesting um, storyline, too, but uh, the the Pusher. 
by uh, it was written by Hoyt Axton, right? Yes. Yes, uh, the actor Hoyt Axton. Uh, uh, he was also a songwriter, and he, he's written a number of songs. That were, uh, that song we covered. There was another song called "Snowblind Friend." In fact, both of the songs that Steppenwolf covered of his were both, believe it or not, anti-drug songs. At least anti-hard drug songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people didn't understand that about that because of some of the language in, in the pusher. But if you really listen to the lyrics, it's, it's actually an, an anti-hard drug song. There was never a uh, studio version that could be actually of that song that could actually be played on live TV, right? I mean, or on live radio right? because of, because of the 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 GD part. Well, I do believe no. It was played on if you were if you were old enough and you can remember those days in the sixties. We had a thing called underground FM radio. It was just FM radio. Okay, and they would play whole albums, and as I recall, they they they, they played that song. Okay, with uh, w- w- unedited, right? <laughs> I believe it was on edit, yeah. Okay. I don't think we could have done that on a on a regular late night television show. I think that would have been stopped the way they stopped the Stones from saying let's spend the night together or whatever. Right. Uh, but so we never did that on any TV shows, but but FM radio played it. Okay. Um, back in the day, so you you at the Whiskey a Go Go, you played there, and then so some... the funny thing is with the whiskey, just one memory of that is that when I was a but you had to be 18 to go in, get into the whiskey. Right. Uh, now, unless you were playing there, I, I snuck in at 17. But 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 I, but I could. I, but prior to playing there in the band, I would just listen to the bands outside, and I can remember listening to the Doors, standing in front of the whiskey, leaning up against the front corner of the whiskey, which used to be a bank, I believe, and the stage was right there, right behind that corner. That's right on Sunset and Clark Street, and, um, and, and, and on the Strip, and I would lean lean up against the wall there and then you could kind of hear the vibrations here feel the vibrations and hear the band I, I remember hearing the doors there and not long months after that that experience I was on stage there playing there as, as, as the house band that took their place that was that was pretty amazing wow really I, I can only imagine what that was like back then especially you know at, at your young age and then yeah. you know and then nobody really grasped the you know, like I said, you look back 50 years now and you go, wow, look at those bands we were with. But back then, you were just rock and roll guys, musicians, and it was just uh, the norm, kind of like, wasn't it, for, yeah. the, for that area? And you had all these different bands. I mean, I remember the Sunset Strip. I'm, I'm actually trying to write a book about about this a little bit because of, I kind of grew up on the Sunset Strip. and I was a teenager then, and I, you know, from 65 to 68, I, I was just hanging out there all the time. And in fact, I, I actually lived right over there, too, at one point. But, um... So I saw the whole thing, and all the clubs, and all the bands that came into town, and all the kids coming out on the summer nights, flooding into the streets, and it was just—it was just such a cool uh, time to, to be involved in music. All these different bands were playing. You had the Birds playing over at the Trip. You had the Doors at the Sea Wish. This was before they were at the Whiskey Sea Wish, a tiny little club, and and you had all these different bands playing, and they all sounded different, all unique. And I do believe Steppenwolf really had its own sound also. Uh, bands were so unique back then. You know, years later, that kind of changed a bit because there was so much money to be made. People saw that, and I think it, was, it got to be a little less of an underground art form and, and a little more of a corporate thing. But, uh, I mean, it, it, music always has its ups and downs. There's times when there's more creative stuff happening, and there's always some good music happening. Did uh, did the record labels, producers, managers, 
uh, you know, collectively or individually, did they put pressure on you to write songs that were more commercial, or did they give you the freedom to kind of write no. these songs? And honestly, I don't think they knew what to do with us. <laughs> uh, okay. the, the, the record company exec, he basically signed us, A, because the, a young producer, an Israeli producer, Gabriel Meckler, was living in L.A., uh, he's the one that discovered us and gave us the, he had just read the book Steppenwolf and gave us the name change, which we all agreed to. And, um, but, um, the, the record company president, he went on Gabriel's word and his daughter liked the band, his young daughter. So that's really how we got signed. And as, as I say, they didn't know what to release or, or really what to do with us because we were, it was, uh, we were, what, what would you call us, a psychedelic, heavy metal, heavy rock, blues band, sort mm-hmm. of? It was kind of an odd mix of things that, um, so I don't think there was pressure that way. I think there was pressure to keep coming up with stuff, I would say, especially after the second album. Now, the second album, we had a, a top five hit on it also. Both albums were top ten albums or top five albums, and both of them, each album, one, the first album had Born to be Wild on it. And the second album had uh, Magic Carpet Ride on it. And that, no pressure to come up with that, that just happened to be a riff that the bass player was playing one day at a rehearsal, and we all joined in, and John took a tape of it home of the, of the music and wrote some lyrics to it. He had just got a, uh, a new hi-fi system in his little, little house and, uh, that he was living at the time, and, um, and wrote music to it, wrote, wrote lyrics to it. So I don't think that one was really pressurized or meant to be a hit particularly. It just just happened that it worked. When uh, when you, I, I got to ask this question because this one I get asked every once in a while. So next time you have a uh, a rock and roll guy on from the '60s, ask him if they were driving Volkswagen buses back in the day. So what did you guys uh, carry your gear around in? Okay, well that's another funny story. <laughs> okay. In the early days, just before we got signed, and maybe just slightly after that, also when we're playing clubs, still we had a guy. Now his name was. Hunter, I remember his name. He had an old, um, I forget what make it was, Cadillac or whatever. It was a Hearst. Oh, no. You know, like a coffin carrier? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Had, it had a moonroof on it, and we would pile into there with our equipment in the back and, and play up and down California. Uh, so many times I remember going down since this trip right here around that, in that thing. So I don't recall us ever having any kind of VW or anything like that. Um well, the reason I ask is because John Kay, isn't he German or is German? He, he was. Uh, yes, he was. He was born in in East Germany. Okay, it was called Prussia back then. Right. He, he escaped under the under the uh, in a, through tunnels, I believe, under the uh, Iron Curtain. Oh wow! He was, when he was very young, when he was you know six or seven, something like that, and they immigrated eventually to to Canada, and uh, which is really where Sparrow started from. Um, so so we had. Uh, two Canadians in the van, or what say, three Canadians. There were three Canadians in Sparrow, and uh, plus uh, two Germans. Okay. Well, you're talking about a hearse. I know Neil Young drove around in a hearse back in the day, too. Of course, he's Canadian as well. So I don't know you guys... Oh, he got it from us. <laughs> yeah, he got it from you guys. Okay. He borrowed that from us. I don't know. I don't... Uh, he's, he's Canadian, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, from uh, Winnipeg, I think, or someplace up there. Um, all right, so then after Steppenwolf, you went to England for a while, right? And then you uh, formed a, another band over there called The Detectives. Well, that would be the very... It was called Detective. Detective, Detective. okay. And it was basically taken off of uh, True Life Detective magazines, uh-huh. 
magazines used to be out. And uh, but there was I went over to England to form a band with a friend of mine, and uh, we were tired of the kind of musicians we were finding over here in Southern California. We you know we wanted to find some of these great musicians that we were hearing coming from England. And we went over there and we got hooked up with um, with um, the Bee Gees manager, uh, manager um, Robert Stigwood. And uh, and uh, so we had a rehearsal room, we had a big call for musicians, and we ended up, you know, finding, we did find a drummer. Uh, but in general, the musicians were just like the musicians in, in, in America. You know, what we see coming from, what we had seen coming from England was the cream of the crop. You know, like the cream, for example. But, right. but not, not all the English musicians played that way. So, but we did find a drummer, and we, we had a drummer, uh, his name was uh, Herman the German. <laughs> he later went on, after, after, we, after that didn't work out, he later went on to be the drummer for the Scorpions. Oh, okay. And he wrote most of the Scorpion songs, because he was, spoke the best English of any of the rest of the German guys. Okay. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I started working when I was living in England. Um, I started working with uh, the bass player from Deep Purple, Roger Glover. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and he at that time was was producing other people. It was between his time with Rainbow and and his time with Deep Purple, and uh, so he used me as a. I, I forgot exactly how we met, but somehow we met there, and he invited me down to a session he was doing. He had me play guitar on it, and that started the whole thing of me uh, being his uh, session guitarist for things that he was doing over there. Oh. Wow. So, and the idea was he wanted to keep me working, but the real idea was he wanted to form a band um, and, uh, with me. And um, we, we talked about it, and we were planning it. And at one time, the, at one point, the singer was going to be these guys that he discovered from, uh, from uh, America. Um, uh, they were in a band called Elf, and it was Ronnie James Dio and his keyboard player. <laughs> Okay. And then Richie also met them and stole them away to to put them in Rainbow. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, we were gonna we were gonna form a band together, and uh, he actually had me go check out uh, for a singer, Michael DeBars, who ended up being a detective. Okay. But he had me go and check him out in Silverhead, and I went to see him play. And uh, but for one reason or another, we we didn't end up putting that band together. I, I came back to America after over a year there. Uh, I had a great time there, though. Cause, boy, being in London and I was able to fly over to Switzerland to go skiing. It was just a great time in Europe. But anyway, because uh, I I was an avid skier, a snow skier, in, in the day. All right. Well, when you were in L.A., then did you did you run up to Mammoth or did you go up to Tahoe? Yes, area? we had my family had a had a place in Mammoth, and I also went locally too. But but I skied Mammoth most of the time. I skied Mammoth when when they only had three chairlifts. Oh, okay. In early days, and they became a huge, you know, huge uh, ski resort that a lot of ski teams train at because they had snow so long. They, right. they sometimes had snow from Thanksgiving, and they'd still be open. So there were some years where they were open on July. Fourth of July, that would be the end of the season. So, it was like nine months out of the year, sometimes they had snow wow. because of the way the mountain situated and how high it is and the way it faced. Um, did you tell me too that you had a little Jimi Hendrix experience encounter? Well, I, I, I did. I did. I, I loved Jimi Hendrix when he came out with that first album. I thought it was fantastic. 
And um, I did have the chance to meet him. Uh, basically, the, I don't know if we were Sparrow or Steppenwolf. We might have just changed the name Steppenwolf, but before we had a hit out, we were playing at a little club in New York called The Scene. And uh, um, we're playing there, and uh, let's see, the maitre d' of the little club, it's a little underground club, kind of like the Cavern Club in, 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 in uh, Liverpool. It was like uh, underground, and it was brick with arches and stuff, uh-huh. and um, very small stage and everything. But, uh, but a lot of, it was owned by Steve Paul, who, who managed uh, Johnny Winters and and uh, other people too but uh so it was a very hip place to go and a lot of musicians would come there and after we would play there they would have jam sessions we would play till two in the morning and then from two to five there would be a jam session and hendrix would come to jam but but one night we were playing there and the mater d uh came up to me between seven somebody that wants to meet you so he leads me over to this corridor with the bricks and the the uh, ultraviolet light overhead, you know, kind of an eerie-looking setting. <laughs> Who's there but Nico, the, the girl from the Velvet Underground, Nico, yeah. and Jimi Hendrix. They were friends. And N- Nico introduced me to Jimi and told me that Jimi, Jimi, she has a German, she's German, she had a German accent, so, you know, Jimi really likes your playing. <laughs> and uh, they actually invited me to, to come back and party with them at, uh, at his place or something. Um, I probably should have done it, but I was quite young, and I wasn't—I wasn't sure what what the what was going to be happening. So, I, I, uh, funny thing is, that, like a few days before that, I was in his apartment there with with someone else that had the key to it, and he wasn't home at the time. You know, we knocked on the door; he wasn't home, but she had the key, and she was a singer in a, a band called The Cake. And we were kind of hanging out in New York, and uh, we went there. I looked through his record collection and stuff, and but uh, and then I did go down to see him record at uh, the record plant uh, when he was doing uh, some music for the uh, his third album, Electric uh, Ladyland. Wow, what an experience! It was it was amazing. There were there probably were fifty people in the control room. He's out in a in very big uh, studio with no lights on except the light kind of near him. And he's got a Marshall stack, and he's overdubbing guitar stuff. And uh, it was just so cool to see. I don't know what song it was. I don't know if they were, you know, but it was a lot of jamming stuff too. So I'm not sure if it was what was used or not. But it was great to see him in the studio too. We're getting close to the time here. Um, I do want you. You got a concert you're going to be doing here pretty soon in Newport, Richie. Why don't you share uh, share that with us? And then we got a few minutes. We'll talk about uh, the world class rockers. Okay. In fact, on the world class rocker, I was kind of googling a little bit. You guys got a fantasy camp? There's all. Well, I, we have done that in the past. It's called the World Classic Rockers. Classic. Okay. And um, it's it's guys from. It's a you know I guess you call it a. What do you call it? A super group of some sort. It's. I'll tell you who's been in the band. It's. It's. Uh, we we've had in that band Randy Meisner from the Eagles, Denny Lane, the original singer for the Moody Blues, and he was also a Paul McCartney's right hand man in Wings. Spencer Davis, Spencer Davis group, Ainsley Dunbar from Journey, and guys from Toto, Bobby Kimball, Freddie, uh, Fergie Fredrickson, a couple of us from Steppenwolf, uh, Foreigner. We've had Ron Wixo in the band. Uh, I was a drummer for Warner for one point. 
uh, Santana, Alex Fisherwood, and Greg Walker from Boston, Fran Cosmo. Uh, once in a while from Kansas, John Elefante and uh, Randall Hall from Leonard Skinner. So it, 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 that whole lineup wasn't always playing, but, but that, those are some of the people that have been doing it um, over the years. And that band has gone all over the world playing, uh, doing a lot of corporate stuff, a lot of charity functions, um, and festivals. And we're still playing. I mean, I have a gig coming up with them. Uh, now, COVID kind of stopped it for the time being, but it's starting to pick up again, and, and we've done a few. Um, I'm not a big fan of flying anymore, and I don't really want to fly, but I, I'm, I'm still doing the odd gig with them. Okay, and then what's the fantasy camp? What's what's that all about? Well, the fantasy camp was just, uh, uh, and, and then they had different names. We called it that. Sometimes we called it, uh, some, there was some other name for it too, on stage, something or other. It's where some of the people got to, uh, they signed up for it, and they got to uh, go to a rehearsal with us, a, a special rehearsal with us, where we kind of showed them, hopefully there were people that had, a little bit of musical background, and we would, you know, kind of coach them, and they, we, they got to come up and play one or two songs with us, uh, usually like Sweet Home Alabama or something. Okay. And, uh, and some of them might play guitar on it with us, some of them might uh, do percussion, if that's what they could do, keyboards once in a while. A lot of it was singing. It was just to give them the experience of what it was like to be on a stage with all the lights and really be in front of all their, all their friends and coworkers at these uh, corporate events. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Okay, so the is it what's the event coming up here in Newport Racy? It's called Chas. I'm playing I'm I'm playing at the Chasco Fiesta uh Sunday I think it's this Sunday night, um five thirty to seven. It's in downtown Newport Ritchie at, at the amphitheater stage there. And uh it's it's a whole long like week long or longer festival. And um we're playing there uh, Sunday, 5.30 to 7, as I said. It's, the name of the band is the Peyton Monarch Band. We're actually uh, a, a duo, basically. It's me and a fantastic singer that I met here in Florida. And we've written songs together and put out a CD, and we're going to be playing songs from the CD, as well as some a couple of Steppenwolf songs thrown in for fun and um, and a couple other things. And we're also playing there um, on Tuesday the 28th, one set from 6 to 7, um, and uh, so, anybody wants to come out and see what I'm doing now? Yeah, well, let's go ahead and do that. So, if people want to find out more about what you're up to, you have a website. Give out your website. Uh, My website is just michaelmonarch.com. Okay. And then you can also find Peyton Monarch Band on on uh, on Facebook. Okay. And, and all the infos there, where we're playing, when we're playing, and uh, yeah. Well, Mike, you know it's been a real treat having you on the show. We Michael. didn't talk about cars. No, all right, all right. We got, we got. How much time we got left, Bobby? We got a minute. Got I, you, two. Are you of telling them. me we've already been on on the air this long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, time flies when you're having fun. I guess so. I it does. All right. How much time we got, Bobby? Go ahead. Two minutes, but you can also have a part two. Okay. Hey, well, well, all have, all have, I can tell you is I, I love cars, so that's another reason for coming on the show. I've had a lot of foreign sports cars. And I drive a Mustang now. I had a Marcos for a while, which you know, which is an unusual car from from England. Um, and uh, I also have motorcycles. I was I've, I've ridden motorcycles ever since I was had my learner's permit. So uh, uh, now I have a Harley, a, a kind of a tricked out Harley Road King, uh-huh. uh, classic, um, but with eight hangers on it and all kinds of extra. Stuff. <laughs> oh, and uh, okay. I also have like a a show bike. That's a really cool bike. It's uh, 
it's um, it's a custom bike, and it's it, it's all silver with spikes, a spike theme on it. There's the spikes on all the where you could put a spike, and uh, it's, it's it's been in some contests and stuff and won surprises, but uh, it's got a, a, a four inch open primary on it. Uh, it has to be seen to be. Okay, so do you ever bring your bike on stage and just have it there as a display? That'd be kind of cool. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 okay. No, I did. No, I have not ridden the Harley <laughs> on stage. Uh, but um, you know, I really need to get ride them more. Uh, we, we, have, we, we kayak and we boat also, and, and the time just gets filled up. Oh yeah. All right. So it's this Sunday, and this Sunday. The, the, and the hour, the time, the time you'll be on stage again is five thirty to seven. One, one good set. Peyton Monarch, P E Y T O N. That's Jimmy Peyton. That's his, and Michael Monarch. So we call it the Peyton Monarch Band. We were a five-piece band to start off with, but but we decided to do what we're doing now. It's more of a of a duo thing. But it has to be seen. It's hard to explain exactly what we're doing, but. But all the music original. We do we do a couple of unusual covers, uh, and then we do we cover some of the Steppenwolf hits just for the people like to hear them. Super. Well, Mike, we are up against the clock. I want to thank okay. you very much for hanging out with us. I look forward to seeing you this weekend, and then I would love to have you come back again and do a sec, a part two with us. Would you do that? Okay, we'll do a part two. All right, sounds really good. All right, I want to thank my very special guest, original guitarist from Steppenwolf, Michael Monarch, and now from the the Monarch Payton Band and. Uh, Look forward to seeing you this weekend. Thank you very much. Super. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget to check us or follow us on our social media. And stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.